0: Jane Palmgold is an artist and historian living in St Giles, London. Her love of the area St Giles led her to research it in great detail, and whilst not as well known as some of its more illustrious neighbours, St Giles is an area packed with a fascinating and often dark and menacing past, some of which is as true today as it was centuries ago. Jane has also created and curated a number of high profile exhibitions including Regeneration City Blues, on the impact of city regeneration by corporate multinationals, taking over from local creative and cultural activity. More recently, Jane was commissioned to curate the photographic exhibition, Fear and Loathing at the Roxy, dedicated to the legendary punk club that saw the birth of the punk scene in nearby Neal Street. This acclaimed show featured the works of celebrated photographers, Ray Stevenson, Derek Ridges Jeremy Gibbs, and attracted many music fans, punks and Roxy goers of old alike. Join me and Jane inside the vestry at St. Giles in the Fields Church for one of the most fascinating conversations on this little-known area of London and Jane's punk heritage. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is Your London Legacy. Before we meet this week's wonderful guest, here's a little something for you. If you're a fan of the show and would like to get involved and support us at Your London Legacy and help us keep producing amazing content just for you, you can get involved over on our Patreon page We take every penny and we'll reinvest it back into the show. If you want to get involved and get hold of some really cool benefits, or have us create your very own London Legacy episode, or maybe meet up with us and other London Legacy lovers in London, you can do that too, over at www.patreon.com forward slash yourlondonlegacy. Okay, let's get on with the show. Well, I'm delighted to say that today I am with Jane Palm Gold, who we've been trying to get on the podcast now for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. <laughs> but for one reason or another, things have eluded us. Yes. I think we've finally had, here. Finally here. Jane wasn't feeling too great, I think, last week or no, no, or, no the week before, I think. That's it? it. And last week we had uh, roadworks road going on in central London, whatever next. <laughs> indeed. In, indeed. It's lovely to finally get together with you, Jane, because Thank you. you have. You, it's our, you know, it's great to have you on the show. You've been highly recommended, Thank and the, you. The, the the research and um, reading I've done um, absolutely proves that. And the listeners are going to really enjoy listening to you and your story and your knowledge of London and particular area where we are sitting right now. Yes. So why don't you just explain first of all exactly where we are sitting?
1: We are sitting in the vestry uh, lately of this parish of St Giles in the Fields, in this in the centre of town, in right in the West End. Um, Really ancient place, really ancient. And, and as time goes by, they sort of, like the Museum of London Archaeology, has just just discovered it's even more ancient than we we thought. So it's uh, so we're a few steps away from a Roman village. Um, they just discovered that a few years ago. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we're in uh, the vestry of the church, um, which is where all the plague registers would have been kept and uh, numbers tallied up in in the Great Plague of 1665. Um, And yeah, everything happened in St. Charles. Plague, gin epidemic, worst of the London rookeries, the granddaddy of all the London rookeries. It it all happened here.
0: Let's just broaden it out for people who don't even know the area you're specifically relating to. We're, We're actually sort of spitting distance from Tottenham Court Road and Denmark station, Street, just on the industry. edge of Denmark yeah. Street, Charing Cross Road.
1: Yeah, we're, we're bounded, the boundaries are Charing Cross Road, Shaftesbury Avenue, St. Giles High Street, so we're in the churchyard of St. Giles in the Fields. Yeah,
0: and I actually feel quite privileged to be in here. Jane is um, on first name terms, very good friends with it's the... It's a, a
1: village <laughs> round here, yes, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. You,
0: wouldn't, you wouldn't think it walking around no, in a day-to-day job, it. but this is, we're going to come on and talk more about this area in you know, a fair amount of detail because uh, jane is a, is an absolute expert on this area so just to fill our listeners in jane palm gold which is a great name in itself is an artist and a historian as well
1: artist curator artist, historian. artist curator
0: historian social historian would you call it would you differentiate <laughs> or just a historian
1: I'm a historian of of this little area Mm. here, which has packed so much into it for eons, really. And an awful lot has happened just in this little footprint of London. And I moved here 2003, didn't really know anything about here, nothing about St Giles, and realised that um, the the first thing I had to do was I, I started reading London the biography because I knew it was an ancient place but I, I sort of lived, didn't realise when I first moved in just how ancient it was and the fact that opposite my kitchen is where the gin epidemic started and I live on the site of uh, a leper hospital founded 1101. It's the most incredible place and it was then subsequently that I when I started reading and reading, and reading, that I discovered other people love St. Giles. And then a deep love affair with with this sense of place in this area, you know, sort of grew out of that, out of reading, really. But the start for me was Ackroyd and London, the biography. Yeah, that's um, Peter Ackroyd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So book on because uh, St. Giles is referenced many times in that. Yes. and um, and And it just went on from there, really. And then I just... I did a course in, at Birkbeck in, on Hogarth's London and just started immersing myself in different subjects around here and research. I love research. It's the backbone of all my work. Um, and painting included, all my artwork, um, public talks that I do. And and so I just sort of um, started getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the research upon the area and found out that it was the most extraordinary place. Extraordinary. And there's nowhere quite like it in London. Mm.
0: Before we actually went turned the mics on, as it were, we, we were saying well I was saying, people just you know, I've lived in London all my life. I'm I'm aware of St Giles, generally speaking, but people are specifically aware of if you said Mayfair or Soho or Bloomsbury or those, you know, Fitzrovia, people would know those areas. But if you say St. Giles is an area to them, you know, and its specific history, yeah. people are less familiar, less understanding of that. Why do you think that is?
1: I, I blame the Victorians. Right. Well, they wanted to obliterate it around here because of the rookery and the, you know, the history of the gin and everything. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that predated the rookery, really. But it was this blot on the landscape for the Victorians um, when you had... Uh, the glittering emporiums of Oxford Street and the shopping and all that sort of thing and that the the rich and the wealthy Londoners could trot along to and then this this absolute blight uh, of of an area opposite the church which was a sort of self-contained den of iniquity and um, bastion of crime and criminality um that that they were trying to get rid of and trying to get rid of and trying to obliterate, really. um but it had, loads of stuff like the gin and the and the rookery had existed on that site for about well, since about seventeen ten to when the Victorians drove through. New Oxford Street about 1845 but they were absolutely desperate to wipe it off the face of the earth that's why really you know they they sort of changed names of roads and uh, you know in the Victorian area and they and they basically were trying to um, clean it up Get rid of all the criminals, the criminality, and all the ne'er do wells, and push. They and they succeeded eventually in pushing everybody out to Saffron Hill and then further out east. But they were all here for a long time, and um, people. the, The authorities were trying everything to get rid of it, erase this blot on the landscape, really.
0: Because if we go back, even before those times, Victorian times, back, we were talking about, you know, there was a monastery here, I think, back in the in the was 11- a leper hospital. A, a leper hospital.
1: It founded 1101. Yeah. And um, yes, it's uh, because there was a, a, a outbreak of leprosy in the 12th century, and the king and queen sort of, um, and the authorities, the parliament, decided that the leper community should have their own little church away from the rest of the london population um and uh, and their own little pastoral vicar And, um, and, and be, and live in a secluded way away from the population because it was highly contagious, of course. And so basically St. Giles was in the fields at the west end of the city or away from the city at that time, well away, because you had Westminster, you at one side of London, and you had the city. And then you had this narrow strip of land up the middle where anything went, really. Oh, As, as centuries went by, anything went here. And a lot of um, criminals settled here. But you had this little church, and um, just along from um, Witch Cross, uh, which was further down the road. The Not middle. the
0: very church we're sitting in now, but the church. there would have been a church on this, this, there this site. There would have
1: been, yes, but it wasn't known as St. Giles back then.
0: Okay. What was it
1: was that? only known as St Giles when the leper hospital was founded, right? And nobody really knows what it was called before that. That's lost in the mists of time as well.
0: Well, it must have been complete isolation because the, the leper colony here. And they had a wall and then, then there was around marsh the marshland as well, wasn't yeah, there? Separating. There was, here.
1: Yeah, it was the marsh went to uh, Westminster. Um, uh, from the back of the church, went right across to Westminster. And um, and this little church was at the, um, the furthest proximity to the village, <coughs> further down the road, really, um, Drury Lane. Um, so they were away from that little village there. And then they built a wall around the hospital and away they went. And in- initially they started sending out the lepers uh, with their bell to warn people that they had leprosy and, um, but people ran away because they were trying to get alms, right, some money to keep themselves going and, um, and then they, they discovered that people ran away. So, <laughs> so basically then the proctor of the hospital started going out and collecting alms but a, a lot of little businesses sprung up opposite the church and, and the, so a little community was born really and it went on from there.
0: So that was the formative stages, I suppose, of, yeah, of St Giles' 1101 a little, little village. Yeah. yeah, but it's always had a bit of a dark and bleak sort of history, hasn't it? I mean, from gallows being erected in certain parts and people being oh, yes. executed or in St. this St. area. St
1: Giles is synonymous with death, you know. I mean, it's always had the um, uh, the it, it was uh, the the parish was the the biggest supplier of Jack Ketch's in London, and Jack Ketch was the slang for, uh, you know, execution, hangman. And um, and it also um, supplied the, um, either I think it was the second biggest sort of candidates, uh, second biggest population of candidates that ended up down at Tyburn, you know, and were hung and that. So yeah. it's always been synonymous with death.
0: Yeah. And, and never more so, I guess, than as you said, I think earlier, the outbreak of the Great Plague uh, originated yes, from in Drury, this, Lane. in Drury Lane. and
1: we've got two plague pits in the churchyard. Nobody knows where they are. I suspect ones down the side of me in the car park, um, <laughs> which is interesting. That's comforting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> what, which what, what I don't do you, really care. Why, why,
0: why do you think that?
1: And um, no, because not they, a bad smell
0: uh, off the upstairs. And
1: <laughs> no, it just I've got maps going back. Right centuries or mm-hmm. every map of this area and um yeah so nothing really was really built there um they don't really know where the plague pits are but um what happened was um the first church was uh demolished then the plague happened um but the next church only lasted 100 years the plague happened and if you go into the crypt of the present church the floor, the the basement floor was the level of the second church, the floor of the second church. So the land was built up around it with all the dead bodies from the plague and the walls fell in of the first church, the second church rather. So they fell in because of the numbers of bodies in the churchyard and then they had to rebuild this current church. They built this one and Flitcroft designed it. So...
0: So you mentioned the term rookery, what does that actually what does that represent?
1: It's interesting when I when I had the show with the Museum of London, London's Underworld, Unearth the Secret Life of the Rookery, I had a guy come in because over there was always um, connected with the a really old irish population from really early on they were established there from elizabeth the first time because the irish weren't allowed to live or work in the city so they established themselves here and um, uh, and and so one of the people that came to see the show was from southern ireland and he was telling me a story that his grandmother used to talk about this this uh, such and such a house down the road and that that was a real rookery and he said it like that that words like that rookery and so I, I it's probably come out of southern ireland meaning a densely populated mean cluster of tenement buildings or something like that or hovels or something Maybe it refers to a, um, what would you call a group of
0: rooks? I was going to ask you the same question. Well, that's I haven't got a clear it. It well I, I term
1: know. now, but, yeah. it, but it, it could refer to the way rooks squabble and are clustered together, closely clustered together in. in Uh, trees and things like that it could come from the derivation could come from that i don't think anybody's quite sure but that was interesting that somebody came in and and said that that uh, his his grandmother had said that so that and the irish were over there so i did wonder whether it had come from southern ireland but
0: in general terms rookery is representative of of a slum i suppose in any other yes way of describing it yeah
1: yes i'm going back to the origins of the world and yes it is it was a slum and and that was the granddaddy of them all over there. That was the earliest rookery in London, the earliest slum. But it wasn't always like that. I mean, it was this St Giles has a interesting history of of being a very rich parish. and then but the descent in the eighteenth century was spectacular. And so basically it all came out of that descent, you know, the mayhem and everything, the jinn, the mayhem. Um, But before that, it was quite, in the the 17th century, it was quite well-to-do. And you know, good house stripe says there were good houses here, solid houses. Um, but I think nobody really knows why uh, they lost control of the land here. But, but I think that there was no overall control of the land. That was the whole point of it. Whereas to the east, you've got the Duke of Bedford's land, so he was in control of that. But the others, <laughs> he must have loved it here because he had his, he had his. Bit of land right next to Diet Street, which is where all the gin epidemic started, and the common lodging houses uh-huh. and that. So, yeah, he must have hated the people here. He must have done. So, and there was nothing that they could do to, you know, change it in any way. It just went on and on and got worse and worse. That was a
0: lawless area as well, wasn't it? I oh, mean the, completely the, lawless. Yeah, yeah. Well, nobody went in there to to. And no, it was a dangerous,
1: dangerous locality, and and there was. um yeah, I mean, when they when they obliterated it in 1845, they raised it to the ground or the the north side of it to drive through New Oxford Street, and that's when the police found all the escape routes for the criminals, you know, um, that it was uh, a warren of escape routes. What, like underground
0: tunnels? Underground, or yeah, Museum oh, no. of
1: London found one, uh-huh. um, and I got the photo of that. Have they been
0: preserved, or have they had to sort of...
1: Uh, no, no, it's all gone underneath Central right. St Giles. Oh, you got photographs of it, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I would love, yeah. you would love to have a look at yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, they found up found a bricked up escape route that they thought was an escape oh, route, absolutely. but also north of the uh church in the Enterprise Studios, they were telling me that they had a tunnel there that was bricked up as well. So, mm. and I was thinking, oh, I know where that's gone because it probably went into the rookery, but they thought it come over this side of the church. So, there's an awful lot, you know, that that um, on this sort of little little sort of footprint of London that has gone on Mm. over centuries really
0: absolutely and did you say you studied also Hogarth yes was that just a part of your research for this um... oh
1: yeah but I I grew to love Hogarth and he was always stomping around here
0: yeah you know because he 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 created one of the most famous sort of pictorial sort of gin lane Lane. which
1: was situated over there but it's got um, it's a difficult sort of print to interpret really you sort of you know what it's about and all that but in terms of locality i think because i've lived here so long i've mm. got an idea of where where he's based it but you couldn't really see behind the well-to-do houses on the high street of what right. was going on behind but um yeah so you've got an awful lot going on in there and you've just handed me a print of it Yes, yeah, so that's Maeve kennedy's article that she did on the show I love Maeve. What a woman she is. Yeah, a that's a good woman. article. Um, yeah. Just, just
0: describe for the listeners, I mean, the broad characters in, in the uh, famous picture by Hogarth.
1: Yes, you've got um, the central character uh, moralising about women, you know, the perils of gin. And it's Judith Defors who's basically sold her child, char- got her child from a, like a wet nurse, or someone who looked after okay. babies. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she... Picked her up for the day and then stripped the child, sold all the, ch- the clothes for gin, and then they dumped her in a the little child in a in a ditch. Right. I can't remember where they dumped her, but yeah. anyway, it was all she confessed. Judith De oh. confessed. So, so Hogarth has centred her in in the. So in that's the representative image. of this character but here yeah, in the film, yeah yeah. But you've got you know you, the only people doing well are the pawnbrokers yeah. and the undertakers. Uh-huh. They're doing very well as well. Um, but uh, and there are people. Being dug up, yeah. the, dug up in the, I love Dug up in the in the churchyard. You see the churchyard is here. Uh-huh. So, there, but there are all sorts of reference points around here. So they're being dug up to, you know, probably sell the coffin on for gin, and people are going mad and blind and uh, dropping dead on the spot due to wood alcohol poisoning. So there's a lot going on really, and uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Because it's just, you know, it's very rock and roll, St. Charles, actually. I mean, that, that, that was something that struck me when I, because I, you know, big um, history, you know, made my life a big influence on my life and uh, big links with my you know my background and that's so why i land here and i think oh my god isn't it rock and roll you know and there's a the birthplace of the music industry and uh,
0: so when did you arrive in london let's touch on that a bit now. 84 84 yeah oh, wait, but, wait.
1: but i'd all i'd grown up 30 miles away in the awful Crawley crosses herself i hated it <laughs> i absolutely hated it because i was a fish out of water there and, why, um, why did you
0: hate it? It was just sort of grey and dull and uh, not a lot going on. Completely
1: Thatcherite. Right. And um, extremely uh, full employment and, well, uh, very strange people there, really. Uh, outwardly hostile to me because I always dressed up since I was 13. You know, I was wearing 40s gear like inherited from my aunt when I was 14, 13. And so I've always sort of decorated myself and dressed up and look, clothes have always been Interested in clothes, and um, and so always have have done that, you know, and express myself in that way. So, were and you re-
0: were you rebellious as a child? I mean, with oh, you, your par- yeah. you grew up with your parents, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how do they consider you as a rebellious kid or just? I thought they. Were, say unique? I think
1: they thought I was very creative and bohemian. <laughs> But you know, it's an inner thing. You know, yeah. it's just that, that sort of force that's you know yeah. comes out. So, did
0: you find yourself associating with other kids in your school, sort of when you were going through this teenage growing up phase? As no, it were? no, you were you were literally out on your own. Yeah. yeah. So and, uh, and I, I went
1: to gigs on my own as well, yeah. you know, because I couldn't find anyone to go with. So really? I thought, "Fuck it, I'll go."
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that I started going when I was fourteen.
0: So where did you go to gigs? Was that local to where London you lived? And you actually Brighton. came into London on your own and Brighton. Yeah, seriously.
1: Yeah, there was. Yeah, that was. Yeah, when I was fifteen, I was. I did um, Queen's free concert at Hyde Park in in '76. Uh-huh. That your your listeners all date me now. Um, anyway. Yeah. So and and that God dear, uh, that was bonkers. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. So. Um. Yeah. That was that. I found that's myself like, in a situation. But that's there really interesting, that actually,
0: because I've interviewed a number of people of a let's say of a certain age. I won't give your age away, but of a certain age, our sort of generation. And
1: yeah, but think of the bands you saw. I yeah. mean, fucking hell, the people you saw. Yes. Extraordinary. Yes. I know.
0: I know. But it, I'm talking maybe sort of you know Soho George, who. Yeah went on his own. He predates He does predate us, but he went yeah. on his own by, by foot as a young kid, even younger than that, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. take in the sights and sounds and go to gigs and peer in these coffee shops of, yeah. of London, you oh, know, yeah. back in the 50s. You're doing a similar thing. You know, back in the 70s. I was
1: escaping out of Crawley because I hated it. (laughs) And I I felt such a big affinity to rock and roll really early on. Uh You know, Bolan was was my first idol and T-Rex and that. But then, you know, I was too young to go and see them. But then... uh, I I was just
0: thinking that in those days, whether I don't know whether you sneaked out and didn't tell your parents where you were going or whether you had their full consent. But today, our society would frown upon kids going out at a young age to, to gigs, you know, living out in Crawley, then coming in on their own to London, it, it just wouldn't happen, would it? I
1: don't know, really. I yeah. don't know. I just never thought about it. Yeah. I had a will to go and see these bands and that, and that, and uh, also, you know, and have an art career. The will was really like iron in me, iron will. And uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. So, so, but I, it was interesting because the first gig I ever went to was, um, was Queen at uh, Hammy, Hammersmith Odeon, and it was the first week that Bo Rap, Bohemian Rhapsody was number one. Uh, but I wanted to go and see him, like at the Rainbow the year before. But no, you're too young. You know, I was 13, and I couldn't go. Um, but God, I was desperate to go. Anyway, um, I went to see them, and uh, that was life-changing. That was extraordinary, and uh, overnight, my life changed
0: and way. i knew in what way you just mean something clicked it in, led in, in, to yeah. the royal college uh-huh. led to
1: the royal college of art because um i thought well if you ever saw them come on stage and or ever ever saw them live they were god they were a sight to behold and they had the most enormous sound deafening and they you know deafened people blind people with all the pyrotechnics and fireworks and all of that, and they were really aggressive and really in your face. They were, you know, flippant. They were tough and they were. it was muscular and it was fucking great. What <laughs> a band they were in the 70s. I mean, it was just a sure. pale bloody shadow of themselves now. But they were an amazing band and, of course, Fred fronted it all. But what I was so impressed by and what it took me years later, I, I, I understood years later what, how it all came about when i interviewed peter Hintz, fred's roadie at queen productions that was 82 but i didn't realize that fred apart from being a genius i mean you know people were taking the piss out of him at the time although they, they were their rise at that you know in 75 was meteoric and that and they were finally being taken seriously but the way they came on stage it was all planned and structured and it was you know peter hints told me that uh, you know they, they there's a big build up and there's all big explosions and fireworks. so a big entrance mm-hmm. then dips down and up, up in the middle dip down and then right up and all everything the works at the end but it was all come from fred he had a vision of how he wanted sure. them to present themselves and so, basically, that audio-visual syncing of light, music, and the sound and visuals led to Liverpool Poly and animation, and then led to the Royal College, where I was sort of syncing visuals and uh, and sound and, and music and that. So. That's really
0: interesting that you can actually track back oh, almost yeah. specifically to that moment in yeah, time. Yeah, it, it, it all comes from there. Yeah.
1: Because I thought, well, there's something more going on, even though I was 14 and I was like, it was, jaw- it was jaw-dropping stuff seeing uh-huh. them, yeah. especially seeing the show, you know. You knew that there was more going on. And I was trying to work it out over many years. And then it was when I, when I sort of met Peter and interviewed him for this dissertation I was writing at Liverpool on lighting in the arts. And, uh, and he said, oh, no, it's all Fred. He planned it all and i thought oh, god i knew there was something more to it than it wasn't spontaneous this was a structured show well he appeared Not in a to be the one who sense. had all the
0: flamboyance and the, all the character in the in But the it, band.
1: it was it was basically the visual side was a vehicle to put across the you know the musical wares it was like this sort of as i say it was jaw dropping stuff you know so but i can trace all my all my work in in film and animation back to that uh, and the Royal College, so that that was an interesting sort of route through. That was it. I was I was off. You know, that you, that was my first gig. Yeah. And that was it. And uh, and that was uh, me down to Brighton. Then off to see all sorts of people, and London as well. And um, yeah.
0: So what was your first punk gig that you recall going to? Oh
1: Christ, um, I saw the Clash twice. Every time I saw The Clash, they were supported by bloody suicide and I never got suicide. But then years later, of course I will get them now because Soft Cell come out of, they were Suicide and Alan Vega were a massive influence on Soft Cell. Uh I saw The Clash twice, I saw The Stranglers about three or four times. I love The Stranglers. Oh God, they were a wild lot! I saw the adverts. I never saw the pistols, but then who did? Because everyone was chasing around the country. I subsequently found trying to find trying to see him on that tour. Um, on the uh, on the infamous tour that was banned everywhere
0: and did you know did you appreciate at the time this was this was a punk era or did you just follow them thinking this this is just no, the I, latest I turn- this is the latest music scene
1: no 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 it was a bomb going off wasn't it mm. it was a bomb and and i mean even though i was in crawley you felt it was a seismic thing and you felt it even then um, and there and uh, and of course, you know, if you turn on the t- turn over the TV and you see every the pistols being with Grundy mm, live yeah. Yeah, live, yeah. Yeah. and you're thinking, fuck, <laughs> and and he was it was you know mouth open stuff. It's like my God, yeah. you know.
0: So you'd think that as a as a as a youngster growing up, the parents would think, oh my God, you know, turn that rubbish off. That's filth. But it was a
1: call to arms, yeah, wasn't it? Absolutely. And the singles were a call to arms yeah. as well because they were all fed up. And I, and I absolutely, they were fed up with a lot of stuff. But I wasn't in London at that time. I was. If I'd have been in London, I would have had maybe knocked around with people more like myself, really. Um, but I was, you know, a fish out of water, really, in Crawley. And, um, and I, I really would have liked to have grown up in London or Brighton because, you know, Brighton was very creative. What a rough place Brighton was. God almighty, in the 70s. Cool, that was rough down there. I loved it. It was great. There's um, loads of gigs down there as well. Some great venues. I think it's just starting to change down there. It's very unfortunate. And venues are starting to close. But um, yes, it, I saw some great people down there.
0: Let's take a very quick break just to remind you, if you love the show and would like to get involved, grab some cool stuff, get shout-outs on the show, have us create your very own London Legacy Show, or you meet up with us in London for a coffee or something stronger, just head over to www. Patreon.com forward slash your London Legacy. Okay, let's carry on with the show. Tell us a bit about the um the exhibition you put on. Which F- one the, the punk one?
1: Oh, the Roxy the one. The Roxy what, one. Fear and loathing yeah. at the Roxy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that was an honour really to be asked to do that because um, I had a show in Leeds and London called Regeneration City Blues. And I did five works on Denmark Street and the history of Denmark Street. So juxtaposition between sort of histories and what had happened with the music industry there, the birth of the music industry, and what was going on currently and the regeneration and all that sort of thing, loss of our cultural heritage, loss of possible loss of the entire, you know, the the roots of the music industry there, that sense of place, you know, and how important I, I, you know, felt so strongly about that, you know, that uh, I wanted to do something about it. So, so, But I was sort of putting places on the map or doing research into places that I didn't know much about and, and looking into the history and then creating work out of that. And one of those pieces was, uh, apart from Denmark Street, was the Roxy. Now, I've been here since 2003 and I did that work, those couple of works in... About 2013, 14, but I do research, and I'd research for about three years. I read, 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 read voraciously. Serious research. Yeah, serious research. And then then I I did these two works on the Roxy, and just before I had the lead show of Regeneration City Blues, um, which was first, I... Someone I knew said, Well, you should interview Andy and Susan, Andrew Sazowski and Susan Carrington. Um, Andy, with Barry Jones, created the
0: Roxy. For the sake of our listeners, just remind us what the Roxy was. Oh, well, it's the, the
1: legendary punk venue where it all began in London. I mean, Manchester was just slightly after, or possibly more, possibly at the same time. But that was where, in the first 100 nights, you know, the next wave of great British bands come out of that venue. The Clash, the Damned, The Adverts, I mean the jam played there, everybody the Strang No, Stranglers didn't play there. They kept trying to play there. Things kept going off there and they couldn't play. But Adam and that's later, Adam and the Ants, Susie and the Banshees. So the first One Hundred Nights in particular, the Clash, the Damned, Susie. Pistols never played there, but that was the epicentre of punk in London. And it was in, in Neal Street in Covent Garden. And so I didn't know anything about it. And so I I, I did all this research and these paintings came out um, and did the paintings and then went to down to South, South London to interview uh, Andy and Sue and had a lovely time. And uh, they were, and I was, and that from the questions I was asking them, they knew I'd done my research, and I'd, I'd researched an awful lot. And so when it came to uh the Seven dolls Trust um, and their People's Plaque, they've been sort of putting plaques on buildings of historic note, either connected with people or um, events that happened there. Uh, and so basically, they 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 wanted to do one for the Roxy, and they. They met with Andy and Sue, and uh, needed someone to organise it all. And uh, so Andy and Sue put me forward, and it's sort of I was asked to find the unveilers uh, for the plaque, and I was asked to organise a party, and uh, and Shaftesbury PLC asked me to curate an exhibition, which is what I did. And I had very little time to do this exhibition. I don't know how I pulled that one out of the bag, but I've got a history of <laughs> history of working night and day. Yeah, it's amazing. Christ, what it's, it's amazing what deadlines can do for you. The words out you. Of my
0: mouth. It's amazing what a time restriction can do for yeah,
1: you. Yeah, I was. Oh god, there was one week where Jordan, Jordan on Facebook's going, go to bed, and I, no, like I'm, I'm putting dinner, dinner again tonight at 3.59am just go to bed you know but there was work to be done and i had to do it and i loved it loved every minute of it anyway basically the show was photographers that were there and shot these you know the clash the damned people like that and and so um Derek ridges and ray stevenson uh, and were featured photographers and uh, I found Jeremy Gibbs as well, who got, who's got the most extraordinary amount of work. Um, who went out every night of the week to see punk bands, you know. So we reproduced some of his diary there. You know, he was going to Red Cow, Amos Smith, and Open and Anchor, and all sorts of places, and the Roxy, and all this.
0: And these these photos weren't staged photographs you know. no they you know. were they these were, were raw footage taken you know oh the, yeah, yeah it was all going off people were speeding their nuts yeah. off you
1: know <laughs> i mean it was because all that movement and uh, you know everyone was you know i wasn't speeding but, but because i don't do drugs but but everybody was speeding, you know, and and then you can see it's amphetamine fueled, you know. Must have been the most incredible place, you know, because I never went there. But so subsequently, I come into contact through the party and organising it and inviting everybody. I start to meet all these amazing people that were a bit older than me, but that they were there at the epicenter, you know. And um, the wonderful um, Tom, to tell. Yeah, yeah, incredible story. And it was—it wasn't a
0: big venue. It was very small, wasn't it? It was no. in a basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very upstairs and downstairs, upstairs, but, but mainly the downstairs. The geek was downstairs, yeah. I think, with the bar on a very low ceiling. Yeah, yeah, took yeah, up yeah. A couple yeah, there was pink.
1: pink. Ceiling was pink. <laughs> In my research for the paintings, I found, like, I was trawling the net everywhere like, and making composite. They were composite paintings, or the one downstairs was. And so, yeah, I, I found these Polaroids. Polaroids? Who had a fucking Polaroid camera then? Polaroids are the ceiling of the Roxy. It was bright pink. And I'm thinking, oh my god! Anyway, that went in because I thought well, I'll be historic. I'm, I'm I'm one for being historically uh-huh. accurate. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that went in. Anyway, so yeah, a good time was had by all. So organised all of that and uh, curated the show. And um, I'm trying to think of the the other photographer who's a woman photographer, and her name her pseudonym was Crystal Clear, um, and she's in a hundred nights of the Roxy. Her work. And it's the most incredible, incredible work. And she's very big in the film industry, advertising industry now. And I wish I could remember.
0: Don't her worry, name. it'll co- it'll come back to you if you remember it. We but can give, it, give it a shout out at the end. Yeah, oh, she
1: shot Wayne County, all sorts of people. But we, I used the Wayne County or Jane County, Jane County, and the electric chairs in the, in the show.
0: Do you still are you still into to punk in a big way, or do you just oh, listen yeah, to it occasionally
1: yeah. when you? Uh, no, I don't, oh, no, I listen to it all the time. You? Yeah yeah yeah, and um and and a lot of goth stuff and uh, yeah that so, so yeah yeah that that sort of yeah listen but but also Dowland, Mozart, Smetana, you know very eclectic yeah. mix indeed. Yeah, yeah. even but, folk stuff.
0: Yeah, I was. I must admit, I think I was probably just a little, I don't know, too young. I just just missed out on probably appreciating punk as I was growing up. I mean, I, w- I was aware of it going on and it's sort of, I, sp- I don't know, I sort of found it a little bit intimidating, I suppose. And yeah, yet- it's great though. <laughs> which, which of course, is exactly what it was meant to, meant to be, wasn't <laughs> Put it? me in it, the middle it, of that. Yeah, back. no, <laughs> No, I loved it. But, Loved um, it. Oh, no, but, you
1: know, I, say, I don't care. I you even
0: know. Adamant had an impact on my, on my life. As I said to you before, mm, we mm. came on the on live. I yeah. dressed up in 1981 as Adamant yeah. and gate crushed a party and met my wife, who we're we still together with to this day. So I've got Adamant to you. thank, you know. Yeah, Adam yeah, yeah. and the Ants to thank. Yeah, and yeah. uh, post punk, yeah. if you like. Yeah. I've still got a picture of me somewhere. I'm not going to produce it. Mm. <laughs> you could have had it in your exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> that would have taped, mm. turned everyone away. So, what are you working on now then? What's your latest passion?
1: I've been researching uh again uh on this area but I'm I'm getting waylaid really by by other interests about abstract work doing painting painting myself really and what uh yeah to so tell, us a, tell us a bit uh, about your
0: your your art the actual work that you do
1: Well the the work around St Giles is it's about sense of place, psychogeography infused by the history, a lot of juxtaposition going on That's in a the world. Psychogeography.
0: Yeah what, yeah. what does that mean?
1: Um it, it basically it's related to sense of place and, and sort of historical resonance and, and also history repeating itself. And uh and I you really if you live here it's it's um it, There's a lot of that that goes on and and it's, I mean, the most extraordinary things happen in this place and it's quite Hogarthian in a way, you know, it'll, the energy will sort of, sort of go along and it's a bit chaotic and then it'll just sort of go whoosh and things will happen and the most extraordinary things happen around here. Less so these days, but like over since 2003, some mad things have happened here, you know. So it's like it's in the land around it, it's a really strange place. So I think it's pretty Hogarthian, right. you know. Yeah. So I sort of my work is sort of infused by that, infused by things I've witnessed from the window or, you know, Yes, I did read some of what you of saw from uh, the window. I don't know, uh, oh, drug pushing and drug taking. Oh, incredible and, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell you for hours the stuff I've seen. But I was drawing, as sort of observational drawings of, um, you know, people on the streets and the homeless and life, really. I was drawing and depicting life because, you know, we're, it, it, we're in this so-called period of transition, you know, this sort of St. Giles renaissance in inverted commas that's never really happened i mean well it's still we're still sort of i suppose heading towards it now mm. you're, it, you're
0: referring to the redevelopment i mean
1: they, they can't obliterate the history of the area and it's in the land you know, they can't obliterate that you know it's a it's a very powerful place this place it's really powerful so you know all all sorts of things still go on because mainly connected to I mean, something I have noticed uh, when I, for years now, when I was uh, started living here, you know, I'm like people like leaving their cars outside and car doors slamming and revelry and all that sort of thing It's not anymore. Really? At night, no, no clubs, no music venues. Because the clubs, yeah, all gone. All All gone. That's changed. That's massively changed things. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, interesting the way it's changed around here.
0: So do you think that's for the worse or do you, yeah, think, it's, I do. Do you think it's the next stage of evolution the area? No, I
1: lament the fact that we've got no live music venues or hardly any in the centre of town. Do we, do we have any left? I can't think of any really. The borderline's just gone. So it's all gone. Uh, and the pubs, uh, you know, the, the rock and roll pubs, they've all gone as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's you've got to go down to places like Brighton or the... South Coast, somewhere like that, you know. I like Hastings very much because that's, you know, still pretty rock and roll down there. Is so South End, yeah. 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 Um, and they've got some decent music venues there. But too. do you think.
0: The lack of music, live music venues aside, do you think the regeneration and some would call it the gentrification of parts mm. of London, such as do you think that's a, a retrograde, a backward step? Yes. Or do you think it's just part of the natural evolution of? No, because it's
1: wiping out. I think it's international market forces mm. at the top end, and um, you know the buying up of land the forcing up of rent rates and basically businesses don't survive and some you know little businesses might have been there 60 years like restaurants or you know and um and i think it's desperately sad so it's basically the homogenization oh, of no, london and the blandness now which i think is you know desperate desperate but haven't most of us
0: only got ourselves to blame for that for frequenting the. Uh the Costa Coffees and the Starbucks and the oh, same places. I don't places agree with find, them either. Yeah, it's I know. the same places you find I wherever know. you go. But then they cro- get from all from the tax breaks, over. don't they? You know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. But like, we're, yeah, we're the ones the
1: who You know, I will always frequent independent places. Sure. You know, I think that that's very important to support, like local little businesses, and uh, yeah. But it it's it 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 goes because basically, I mean there's hardly any art galleries now like you know the gallery owners of uh, there aren't many in the in the center of town anymore that a lot of that has been swept away so where do you exhibit end. your work well i get i'm lucky enough to um i can get shops and that sort of thing i've I, you know i've had i've got a good relationship with uh, shaftesbury very good i've worked with them a few times and they've you know, provided me with shops Like a and pop-up exhibition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know, like three weeks and that. So, and, and they've been very good to me. So, yes, yeah, so I can do that and... And then I'm, you know, there's a possibility of uh, the, the an exhibition that I want to want to do, which I think will be the final one on St Giles. You know, I want to maybe get that into a shop first, and then possibly at the Dickens Museum. So oh, that'd be nice. Yes, that'd be really cause nice because that's, you know, central to the theme of it. So, but um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. So my but my work is moving away from that and uh, painting more from inside. Really,
0: what is your style? What's your method of painting? Is it is it sketch? Is it watercolor? Is it oil? What is it? How, what's your medium?
1: the saint giles work has been collage and the secret technique that i don't tell no one. <laughs>
0: oh, go on no nah.
1: <laughs> good god no nah, because someone some bugger will use it and i was taught it when i was 18 and i'm like oh god i've never seen anybody okay. use it and people look at my work and they think it's like printmaking, and it's not and they, and they think and they say how did you do that and i I won't tell them, won't tell no one. So, yeah, that's Fair top enough. secret. Okay. <laughs> no, um, but but mixed media at the moment, mixed media, mm-hmm. but a lot of abstract stuff coming out now, which is great.
0: And do you paint, obviously you find an image or some, an idea which is inspirational to you, and, and then you just sit and paint in one go, or do you have to keep coming back and back and back, and do you have more than one piece of work going on at the same time? The way
1: I was taught, I was taught by this I mean, he's a, he was a bloody genius, really. Ray Fields. No one will have heard of him. But um, if you know your history of British animation, you probably would have come across his name because he basically got a whole load of us into the Royal College of Art. But Ray was a painter at Liverpool, Poly, and he ran the animation. Professor Ray Fields ran the animation department. And uh, he got a whole load of us into the Royal College of Art. But we weren't, it wasn't humorous filmmaking. It was, it wasn't, it it was all uh, serious filmmaking and uh, making films that, evoked an emotional response or a thinking response in one aud- one's audience. So it was coming from that point of view. So people like um, Susan Young were making films about the Toxteth riots that she sat above for two weeks and drawing the police and the rioters in, in, in Liverpool and then made a film, came out of that, and Jonathan Hodgson made a film about observational sort of stuff on dog walkers and dogs, and then made the famous nightclub, and Sue made Carnival, which was a very famous film as well, about these. She got a bursary from the Royal College to go to uh, Brazil and made a film called Carnival. But they were extraordinary uh, animators and that. And so it was sort of... Work like that, and I, um before I went to the Royal College, I started uh, work on, what I, w- I went up, in my head, I went up, in, up the Amazon for two years making this film. But I did, I always do deep research, and that is what come out of Liverpool and being taught by Ray. It's, the research came out of that colour form space movement. Um, we used to watch... We were really, it was quite anarchic actually. I used to watch and analyse films back to front, upside down for the colour and the form and the space. And we used to look at, approach visual work in many different ways. It was all a learning thing, it was a big, big learning thing. So my Amazon film was this big fusion, absolute fusion of sound and visuals referencing back to Queen and that. Um, that audio visual sync so yeah I did that and got into the Royal College and then did other works there come out decided I you know I I worked in the promo industry for like split second and thought oh fuck this you know because the record companies wanted everything like yesterday and you know I mean I knew a lot of people in animation and they were just working bonkers hours, you know.
0: And squashing your creativity as well, I would imagine.
1: Um it's an isolating profi- yeah. you're making if you make independent films like animated films and that, it's a bit of a thankless task really. You know, you've got to because you've got to hold the energy and contain the energy over a long period of time. Like hold that energy of that of that work. With painting it's a lot shorter. Photography it's bloody instant, you know. Very easy, but um, although then it's a whole other, you know, other way of, um, a whole other approach really. But painting, yeah, it's it's holding the energy and less about research now than it was, which is interesting. As I say, I'm moving away from that. So more painting the internal world.
0: Meaning the physical? Inner
1: stuff, yeah. Energies and that sort of thing. It's moving in that direction how that will be interpreted in like a in an abstract sense by yeah. your by your public that interests me actually and what people get from that
0: mm, but your First and foremost, not painting for them. You're painting, no, for yourself, aren't you? No, absolutely. You? To get it out yeah. of your head, because onto the paper.
1: of course, yeah, I would never, I would never paint sun because I thought someone would fucking like it, you know, <laughs> or you know, I mean, you just do it for yourself. You've of got course. to do it. But why I said that is as opposed to being a director, it's a way, yeah. Because with a director, you actually, and also with exhibitions as well, you actually have to think in the abstract of how your audience is going to perceive that work. If you want to tell a story and yes. um, guide people around a gallery and get them, them to get the most out of something or learning, a learning experience and that, you have to think like that. You have to wear a director's hat. So even though I'm not a filmmaker anymore, I, when I curate, I wear that same hat. Um, because I that's the the that's the easiest way to sort of approach sure approach doing that work. Yeah. I'm not one for just slinging it on the wall. I, God, I'm, my shows are, and shows that I work on are planned like military operations, you know. And there's always think of an awful lot about how I want them to be perceived by the by the viewer, by the person experiencing the work, and that whole chain of images moving around the gallery that's very important no absolutely
0: yeah so what are you working on presently you've got you've got um, an exhibition coming up are you working on a particular piece because I know you do public talks as well I've got a
1: group show I'm planning and uh, I'm the Dickens thing as well Mm -hmm. that's what I'm working on
0: well I don't want to take up too much more of your time so um, I just want to thank you so much for Thank you. For, for meeting you finally <laughs> in this wonderful place and your superb expert knowledge on the punk era, on music, on Denmark Street, yeah. on St. Giles, on so many different facets of London. It's, it's quite just, a
1: journey, it, it is an amazing
0: journey. Yeah. It, it's fascinating yeah. and it's great that you're so motivated and inspired by everything that you see around you in this area. Yes. And bring it to life in the work that you do. Yes. That, that's really great. So so tell us, how, how can people... Find you online through social media, your website, or want to get in c- contact with you?
1: I'm on everything really. Well, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, okay, and my your... website yeah. is uh, janepalmgold.com. I've got a lot of work up there going back many years at different exhibitions you can find articles about me and my work.
0: Uh, As I have found and brought some of them with me here, yeah, you just sort of type into the the search engine, into Google, good old Google. Um, Jane Palm Gold, um, you'll find plenty of articles, uh, newspaper articles and interviews, and the website is full of, as you say, interesting stuff. Yes. And a lot of your work is on there as well, and the exhibitions at this is fantastic. Thank you. So it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Jane. Thank you very much. No, not at all.
1: It's been my pleasure, actually. Thank good, you.
0: Good, glad you enjoyed it.
1: Now you're going to ask me that. Question, I'm going to ask you, you that you? question. And, and I, I don't know. So, for our I've listeners, we're this. at
0: this time where I ask all my guests to think and tell us one or two places that are particularly maybe personal. You know, it could be a walk, a museum, a restaurant. I don't know somewhere. Given that you love London and St Giles so much, it wouldn't surprise me if it's somewhere around here. Perhaps.
1: Can I pick? All the most amazing old music, not one really, all the old amazing music venues that you, you, you know you can, can like. I'm thinking of the Astoria long gone, what's, what a place yeah. that was. That's sort a very valid point, actually, in. because
0: I often ask people to pick a place, and we always pick a place that's now and contemporary and live today. But what we could be historical as well. Place that's gone and I mean, thank God, Hammersmith's still there. Hammersmith
1: Odeon. But I mean, the the Rainbow was another great place for gigs. All those sort of places I'd Mm. like to pick. Mm. there is not. I suppose, where would I? And
0: the Roxy, I guess.
1: I never went to the Roxy. Um, And there's not on the
0: there's not a lot on the website if you check out historically. It's very difficult to find a good deal of information on there there's
1: not one dedicated no, website which to is unusual and unfortunate it, actually yeah i mean it's that it, you just have to sort of read and a lot of research online across reference mm. and all that sort of there's thing a few
0: youtube clips showing some, yeah you know, no some i footage. know where i'd choose go on then <laughs> i know where
1: i'd choose i'd choose it's my only time i've felt so bloody strongly about something falling in, in danger of falling into the sea and decided to do something about it. It was Alastair Choate of lately of Norman's Coach and Horses in Soho. Um he was the landlord there, um proprietor. And um Henry Scott Irvin and myself, but Alastair fronted it. We saved the Pistols building, the Sex Pistols building at number six, the back building at number six Denmark Street, and if you go and stand in there, that's that's an interesting little place. It was a silversmith workshop in the 19th century. All the lights, all, all the windows are north facing. So,
0: what's what was that famous for? What is that renowned for?
1: It was renowned for being the, as McLaren said, uh, he wanted a, a Trojan horse in the middle of the music industry. And uh, it it was basically where the Pistols rehearsed and where punk began, because he was McLaren was having meetings with Bernie Rhodes about mm. three bands, and you've got a movement, you know, the Clash, the Damned, and the Pistols, and that's where it started. Oh, and wow. we're like feet away from it here. Yeah. So well, maybe, I've got to pick that one maybe. really. Absolutely,
0: and I, I think that's an absolute perfect one to pick, and a perfect place to uh, to finish on. Thank you very much. Thank you very Steve. much, Jane. It's been an absolute treat.
1: And my pleasure.
0: Thank you. Every week here at Your London Legacy, we bring straight to your device a new and fascinating guest with a wonderful London-based story. We hope you enjoy listening to their timeless stories as much as we enjoy creating them for you. If so, the best way to show your appreciation is to subscribe to the show. Simply go to www.yourlondonlegacy.com and pop your name and email in the box where shown. That way, you'll never miss another episode. Thank you for your support.